Good morning. Are you ready? Are you happy this morning? Are you ready this morning? I got good news. I came bringing good news this morning. Jesus is in the building. Do you believe it? Can you feel it? It's okay if you can't feel him. He's here anyway. Before he went to be back with his father, he said, Lo, I'm with you always. That means you don't have to feel him. You just know that he's low. He's ready to meet you where you are this morning. Are you ready? I want him. I want him so bad. I want more of him. Do you? Did you come full of anticipation? Wasn't worship awesome because God is awesome? Can we give God another shout of praise this morning? Oh, man. Uh, I'm excited to share my heart with you this morning and to share the truth of God's word. I have a quick announcement. So today begins our equipping track. Okay, so some of you have already signed up, and this is a time, we three Sundays in a row from three to five. You come, you learn about just the, the story of Arise, how we got started, the culture of Arise. You'll be hearing more about the fivefold and just our different roles and the way that we serve. And then you actually have an opportunity on the last equipping track to take a fivefold test and see where you land and plug in to serve somewhere if you want to. Isn't that great? So, and look, this is awesome. Uh, we had a sign-up list, and a lot of you signed up, but if you haven't signed up and you still want to be a part of it, just show up this afternoon at 3. Just come at 3. Does that sound good? Okay, man, that's going to be awesome. Um, man, I, I want to I, I say this really quick. I, I want to say thank you. I, I, I'm so thankful for this Arise Birmingham family. Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, and I know most of you know because I've been getting text messages and phone calls and voice messages. Uh, for the past couple weeks, I've been trying to pass a kidney stone. So if, if, you know, if you've ever tried to pass one before, when that sucker starts to move, it ain't fun. But, but I, I've just received so many phone calls and like text messages. Thank you, man. God is so good. And I've received every one of them. And I've had zero pain this week. It's been awesome. It is either already dissolved and gone or it's going to really soon in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But I'm past all the pain part, okay? So thank you for praying. It was really cool because I had a moment. It was uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm in the car with Caroline. She's driving me to the urologist. And it's, and it's in a not-so-good time. <laughs> And, and, and that, that thing's moving, and so and I'm just kind of in the passenger seat, and I, I got tears, and I just begin to pray. And I had a moment with the Lord. You can ask him. I was like, what kept coming up in my heart and out of my mouth is, God, I'm so thankful and so proud to be your son. And I just, that's all I could get out in the midst of being so uncomfortable. God, I'm so thankful and so proud to be your son. And I felt so covered by him. I felt so seen by him. And I was so thankful to be in his hands. And in that moment, I knew that he was going to have the final say-so in this whole thing. And I just had a moment with the Lord. And it just reminded me, I want to remind you this morning, man. It's not just about what God can do for you from time to time. It's about who he is all the time. I, I, want, you to, I want you to see something. This is not my message. But I want to show you something. We have to put our faith in him. It's important to have faith. If you didn't have faith, you wouldn't be here this morning. 
But it's just as important as to where we place our faith. Our faith must be in the Father. It cannot be in what we're believing Him for. It cannot be in an outcome. It cannot be in what we're praying for. Our faith must be in Him. Because when our faith is in Him, it doesn't matter what your previous experience was. It doesn't matter the prayers God has answered or hasn't answered. When your faith is in Him, you don't change the subject because you know He hasn't changed. He's still good. He's still the healer. When your faith is in Him, you continue to step out in faith and go after what you know He's made available to us through the cross of Jesus Christ because this is who the Father is. The Bible says we live from faith to faith, from glory to glory. This is who the Father is, and this is who we are as His sons and daughters. Isn't that good? This is not my message. But, but th- we'll, we'll let this be a leeway into it. i tell you what's really on my heart this morning. I want to talk about, <laughs> I want to talk about being a witness for Jesus. I know you're all super surprised by that. Oh, Wes is going to encourage us to be a witness today. But, but no, really, I want to talk about being a witness for Jesus, but through the lens of identity. I, I ultimately, this one, I want to talk about identity. But I want to use being a witness as kind of the vehicle to drive us there. Is that good? Do you understand? Is that, does that sound good? I feel like God's doing so much with identity right now in the body of Christ. I actually feel like there's, he's pouring out fresh upgrades in our identity as sons and daughters when we discover who we truly are, everything changes. Everything comes back to identity, I, I promise. And I'm beginning to learn that in a new way. I feel like I've even received over the past couple of weeks this fresh upgrade in identity. It might have been while I was in pain, the only thing that come out, come out of my heart was, God, I'm so proud to be your son. I just feel like, man, that God is awakening, especially believers, to who they really are. And I don't, we, the fivefold, as, as we share on Sunday mornings, we didn't even tried or talked about doing this, but the past few Sundays, we've talked about identity, essentially. Last week, Melanie shared this word. Oh, man. You, you, if you weren't here, you haven't heard it, you got to go back and listen to it. But essentially, she talked about identity. And one of the things that she said that continues to reverberate in my heart is she says that we cannot renegotiate who we are as sons and daughters and the promises that God's put on our life by living a life of compromise. Because when we live a life of compromise, the world can't truly see who God is. And the point is for the world to see who the Father is, and they can't. If you're living a life of compromise. And the only reason you would ever live a life of compromise is because you've renegotiated who you really are and the promises that are on your life. Go back and get that word. It was so good. Man, a, a couple weeks before that, Jeremy shared this message on Gideon. Do you remember? It was so powerful. Essentially, he talked about identity. And I love the way that he talked about Gideon because it was less about Gideon leading the 300 to defeat this large Midianite army. It was more about Gideon discovering who he really was. Because, see, once you know who you are, it changes the course of your life. Once you truly know who you are, you're able to step into the destiny that God's always called you to. 
See, Gideon was thinking one thing about himself, and God showed up and told him otherwise. See, Gideon was thinking, man, I'm from the least of the least of all the tribes. I am this lowly, timid judge of Israel. And he found himself on the threshing floor just surviving. And God showed up, and he discovered who he really was. And the next thing you know, he's leading 300 to defeat this humongous Midianite army. But it's all because he discovered who he was. When you know who you are, nothing looks impossible. I'm serious. When you know who you are as a son or daughter, nothing looks hard. Everything looks like an opportunity to partner with God, to see his kingdom come and his will be done. I got 300 men, line them up. I know who I am because I know who's with me. I know who's for me. Nothing could be against me. Identity. See, when we know who we are, it no longer looks like a problem. It just looks like a promise. When you know who you are, you no longer allow the voice of this world to become louder than the voice of God in your life. When you know who you are, you no longer allow what's happening to you and around you to be a bigger influence than what happened 2,000 years ago. When Jesus, I just love saying the name Jesus. There's something about that name. He's everything. The Bible says he's life. Is he your life? Like every moment, every ounce of your life, is he it? He stretched out his arms and he shed his blood and he won the victory over everything. When you know who you are, you begin to live from this place of victory. It's so cool because, uh, uh, thank you for letting me have my moment there. It, David, man, in the Bible knew who he was. Even as a 13-year-old shepherd's boy, he had, some scholars say that David was as young as 13 years old when he slayed the giant Goliath. That, that's nuts. You know any 13-year-olds in your life? That's little. But he knew who he was. His father comes to him and says, David, I want you to take this bread and cheese to see how your brothers are doing on the battlefield with the Philistines. And how many know that David could have easily said, Dad, I just don't really feel like doing that. I just don't want to. Because if you know the background, David actually wanted to be on the battlefield. But his father said he was too young and he needed help on the farm. So to take bread and cheese to see how your brothers are doing something that you want to do, he had to humble himself and serve his father. But he knew who he was did he humbled himself how many know if, if David hadn't humbled himself and served his father we might not have the story of David and Goliath in the Bible as we know it but he knew who he was as a shepherd's boy so he said okay dad so he takes bread and cheese to see how his brothers are doing and he gets there and nothing's happening there's no war everybody's hanging out in their tents and this big Philistine giant named Goliath comes out and he begins to mock and make fun of the Israelite army. And he begins to defy God. And David, being 13 years old, knowing who he was, goes, who is this cat? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I'll fight him. Because, see, David knew who he was. David lived way ahead of his time. He knew that he was a son before it was even possible to be a son. 
See, he knew that God loved him like a father loves a son, and he knew that with love came power. He knew that God was with them, that God was for them. He knew that God was on their side. See, David knew that that giant was as good as dead before he even fought him because he knew who he was. So he goes up to Saul and says, I'll fight him. And Saul says, okay, and gives him his sword and his armor. And David knew himself well enough to know that sword and armor is not for me. I'm not good at that. David knew himself enough, well enough to go, man, I know what I'm good at. I'm good with a rock and a sling. And ultimately, I know it's not going to be me. It's going to be the power of God through me to slay this giant because he had an identity. He was a son. So he takes what he knows he's good at, his rock and his sling. Can you imagine this? This really happened. And he takes this rock and sling and throws it, and the power of God slays that giant. Oh, my gosh. See, David knew who he was as a shepherd's boy, which led him to be humble enough to take bread and cheese to see his brothers which led him to slay the giant, which then led him to ultimately become the king of Israel. When you know who you are, you become the kings and the queens that God's always destined for you to become. Church, look at me right now. You were born to be kings and queens. You were born to lead the 300, to slay giants. This is who you are. The Bible says it. I'm not trying to ramp you up this morning. It says it in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It says, to him who loves us and has freed us through the blood of Jesus Christ and has made us to be a kingdom and a priesthood, to serve God the Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you understand what that's saying? It says that God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we could be free. And so as free people, as free believers, we discover who we are as sons and daughters so that we can become the kings and queens that God's always destined for us to become so that we can serve him, so that we can lead the 300, so that we can slay every giant that comes our way because when you know who you are, you realize it's not going to be you. It's going to be the power of God through you. So you never fight for victory. You live from victory. This is us. This is us as sons and daughters. And, and this is especially true when it comes to being a witness for Jesus. So remember, we're going after identity, but we're going to use being a witness as the vehicle to get us there. Because look, when you know who you are, it changes the way that you see people. When you truly know who you are as a son or daughter, living in the kingdom, yielded to the heart of the Father, it It changes the way that you see people, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you act, the way you handle your situations, the things that come out of your mouth, the way that you treat others, your attitude at work, the way that you respond to your boss, the way that you respond to your family. When you know who you are, everything changes. Everything comes back to this thing called identity. See, I I, I believe... When you know who you are as a son or daughter living in the kingdom with an amazing father, completely yielded to his heart. Because why wouldn't you be? God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you, and then he adopted you into his family and made you who you are. Why wouldn't you be yielded to his heart? When you know who you are as a son or daughter and you're yielded to the heart of the father, I believe we all become missionaries. 
I, I want to show you, man, just how fun, how easy it is to be a witness for Jesus when you know who you are. When you know who you are, you become a missionary. It doesn't mean we all move to a foreign field to share the gospel. Some of you might do that. That's awesome. It just means that everywhere you go, you realize that you're already on a mission field. (laughs) Everywhere you go and there's a person, there's an opportunity to love them towards the heart of the Father. Everywhere you go, man, you and there's a person, there's an opportunity to put Jesus on display to represent who he is. See, when you know who you are, you realize that God wants to use you to infiltrate his kingdom through you. When you know who you are, you realize, look, man, this is so cool. When you really know who you are, you realize that God wants to use you to release his loving goodness and kindness to everyone that you're around because he loves them so much. See, I've been hitting this the past few times I preached. I want to hit it again. As a son or daughter living in the kingdom, when you become yielded to the heart of the Father, your heart begins to beat with his heart. When your heart is yielded to his heart, you begin to carry his heart with you everywhere you go. You begin to love what he loves, and he loves people. Some of you don't understand. It's because it's like, I, know, I, love, I love Jesus, I love people, but it's like, do you? When we carry the heart of the Father, it becomes a natural part of our everyday life. And people actually begin to see him in you. And because you know who you are, you can't keep quiet about who he is everywhere you go. See, when we know who we are as sons and daughters, man, being a witness is no longer something that we go and do. It becomes a way of life. See, I I believe that the lack of evangelism is not a church crisis. I believe it's an identity crisis. When you know who you are, you become missionaries. Everywhere you go on a mission field, everywhere I go, God wants to use me. And I carry his heart with me everywhere I go. So I just naturally begin to love people towards his heart. And they see him in me. And because I know who I am, I can't keep quiet about who he is. This is a part of my identity. It's not a church crisis. It's an identity crisis. We are sons and daughters yielded to him. What comes in comes out. Amen. It's one thing to know that you should be a witness. It's another thing to become one, and I believe that the difference is, is who we are. Because if I were to ask the question, how many of you think that we should be a witness, you would all raise your hands. We have established that well in this church. It, we know that we should. How do we become when we discover who we are? And, and so I, I want to, let's, let's just, let's talk about that just for a second, though, because I believe and knowing that we should be a witness can actually help show us who we are. I believe it can actually help show us that this, this is actually a part of our identity. So really simply put, I'm an evangelist. I like to break things down in really simple terms. Okay, you ready? Uh, you can't keep Jesus to yourself. It's really simple. You, you're not supposed to keep Jesus to yourself because... God not only loves you, he loves the world around you. Jesus not only died for you, he died for the world around you. And he's chosen you to be the one that he releases his love, his goodness, and his glory through. Really simply put, man, the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day. I was in my house. And he says, Wes, when you keep Jesus to yourself, you choose to live a selfish Christian life. Don't be selfish. Turn him loose. That's what he told me. 
We can't keep it to ourselves. This is something that we know. I want it to be something that we become. But let's start here. We, we, can't, we can't keep Jesus to ourselves. The Bible makes it clear. There's a scripture in the book of Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. And, and Jesus is talking to his disciples. And I've memorized this scripture frontwards and backwards for the past four or five years. But I feel like I'm just now beginning to get it. Jesus tells his disciples, go and preach the kingdom. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with lesser lepers, cast out demons. And then he says, freely you've received, but now you've got to freely give away. Freely we've received, freely give away. What is Jesus talking about? He's saying, freely you have received the authority and the power to heal the sick. Uh, watch, don't miss this. This, is, this hit me so hard uh, over the past couple weeks. Freely, Jesus is going, disciples, do you understand what you have? Freely you've received authority. Freely you've received power to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with lepers, cast out demons. Now it's time to do something with it. Because it's not just for you. It's for the sake of the world around you. Amen? Because God doesn't just love you. He also loves the people around you. And he's chosen you to be the one that he releases that love through. Freely you've received. Here's what Jesus is ultimately saying. You are loaded. <laughs> we are loaded, sons and daughters. And the only reason that we're loaded is so that we can unload it to the world around us because they want what we have. Don't be a selfish Christian. If we knew how loaded we are, how electrified we are, everybody in this city would be healed, saved, and set free. I promise. Watch, but it, it, it comes back to identity. This becomes natural when you know who you are, when you know who you are. Missionary. Because it's not about what you go and do. It doesn't matter if you're a dentist or a lawyer or a construction worker or a teacher or a stay-at-home mom or a gas station attendant or a, a bank teller or a desk clerk. or It doesn't matter. Because being a witness is not what you do. It's an overflow of being a son or a daughter that's yielded to the heart of the Father. This is life for us. Are you with me? The, the whole goal is for people to see Christ in us. We're supposed to be different. We're not supposed to blend in. We're not supposed to go with the flow. People ought to look at us, man, and we look so radically different that they want what we have. I ain't never seen that before, which is a bummer. We can't just consume and get and take and receive and never give away. You, we can't just go from ministry school to ministry school, from one conference to another conference, from one church service to another church service, and take and take and get and get and never give away. Why would we ever do that? What comes in is supposed to come out. We're supposed to be a vessel that overflows. When you're only ever getting and taking and receiving and you're never giving away, I believe you're missing out on experiencing the full measure of your identity. I'm not saying your identity is being a witness. Your identity is in Christ, but Christ is in you, and Christ in you wants to be Christ through you. If you're not allowing him to be Christ through you, you're not experiencing the full measure of who you really are as a son or daughter yielded to the heart of the Father. Because being a witness is not what you do. It's who we are. We're sons and daughters. Let's go. Are you making the connection? I've made the connection over the past couple weeks. It hit me, man. The Holy Spirit said, Wes, when you know who you are, being a witness is not something that you do. 
It's a way of life. You can't help but. If at how do you know when a cup is full? If it's overflowing. We're supposed to be cups that overflow. When it comes in, it comes, it comes in, it goes out. We're supposed to be vessels. If it's only ever coming in and it's never going out, you'll settle to live a safe, reasonable Christian life when you were actually born for the extraordinary. You were born to lead the 300. You were born to be kings and queens. The Bible says it in Revelation. It also says it in the book of 1 Peter. I could go on and on. It says it all throughout the scripture. You were born for extraordinary, born for powerful, born for miraculous. This is a part of your identity. Let's go. At some point, we break out of the holy huddle. At some point, we leave the small group. We, we, we leave the church service, and we become a vessel. Right? At some point, we get out of the secret place and step into the public place. We can't just be consumed with our own personal spirituality. can't. The secret place is the most important place. I'm not taking away from that for a moment. I was talking about this with the young adults on Wednesday night before Eddie and Brittany led worship. And I was like, the the greatest thing about being in the new covenant is that we get to have intimacy with the Father. And Matthew chapter 5, sorry, Matthew chapter 6 actually says that the most important place in your life has to be behind closed doors in the secret place. I'm not saying you carry the presence of God with you everywhere you go. You can pray without ceasing. But there's something about making the most important part of your day where you close the door. Why does the Bible say close the door? It wants to keep you from any distraction for just a little bit. I want to keep you from any distraction that would take away. All right. I would... I want to keep you from any distraction that would take away for at least a few moments this intimacy, this union, and this communion with God. I need a bigger thing. Because watch, in in the secret place, like with the Father, there's intimacy, right? And, And that's actually where the roots of your identity grow. That secret place, the roots of your identity grow so that your tree can become strong and you can bear fruit so that when you step in the public place, people can actually see your life and see something different and want what you have. Are you with me? I am not taken away from, like, the secret place. But the Bible says if the secret place is the most important place, he'll actually reward you in the open place. But in order to get to the open place where he can reward you, you got to come out of the secret place from time to time. So that he can reward you in the open. And you know what your reward is? It's him. Oh my gosh. Some of you are looking for a medal of honor. It's Jesus Christ. You step out of the secret and he'll reward you in your open. And guess what your reward is? It is God himself. Would you want anything else? Your reward is seeing others encounter him. Seeing people get saved. Seeing people get healed. And you go, man, this is the greatest life I've ever been a part of. And then you realize, well, this is actually a part of who I am. This is a part of my identity. Being a witness is not something I do from time to time. I just yield to the heart of the Father as a son. 
I say yes to him and people see him in me. And because I know who I am, I can't keep quiet about who he is. Hey, God loves you. Hey, listen, don't overcomplicate it. Hey, man, Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Hey, I realize that you're, you're, you're limping. Man, can I pray for you? Jesus heals. Let's just see what happens. Don't overcomplicate it, man. It's your attitude at your job. Somebody gives you a project to do, and you, because you know who you are, you go, wait a minute, I'm not working for man, I'm working under the Lord, Colossians 3.23. So I'm going to go over and beyond what they give me to do. I'm going to do it with joy, I'm going to do it with a good attitude. When something comes up, I know exactly what to do and exactly who to turn to. I'm not going to act out so that people can actually see something different in my life. It all comes back to knowing who we are as sons and daughters. I'm screaming. This is who we are, man. Ron Harbaki says this. It's so good. He, he goes, he goes you, you, you can't just, uh, I, every time I quote Ron Harbaki, I want to sound like him, but I, I, I shouldn't. He, he goes, he goes, you can't just be consumed with your own personal spirituality when the fires of hell have broken out and people around you need rescuing. He says at some point we run with Jesus to be a soul winner. Look, look at me, church. We can't just find ourselves all the time at the foot of the cross. Let me finish. We can't just find ourselves at the foot of the cross consumed with our own personal spiritual. At some point, we stand up and turn from the cross and look into a sea of people that are lost. A sea of people who are hurting and need, and we run with Jesus with the saving message of the gospel. This is who we are. The Bible says in Romans 8, 19, watch this. I'll never read this the same. The Holy Spirit hit me this week. I've memorized this scripture frontwards, backwards for the past five years. But there's a fresh upgrade of identity available right now. I know it in my spirit. It's something that God's doing. And I read Romans 8, 19, and it says, The whole earth longs, groans for sons and daughters to manifest who God is. And then it hit me. It does not say that the whole earth is groaning for people to be a witness for Jesus. Watch. It doesn't say the whole earth is waiting on you to be a witness for Jesus, even though we know we should. It says the whole earth is longing for sons and daughters to discover who we are, to yield our heart to the heart of the Father so that everywhere we go, we realize we're on a mission field and God just flows through us. People see him in us because being a witness is a part of being a son or a daughter. You see that? I'm just now getting it. And I've been at this thing a while. How many of you know there's more? Okay. As <clears throat> here's, here's where we'll land this morning. And we still have 10 minutes, so we're, we're okay. As as sons and daughters living in the kingdom, yielded to the heart of the Father, being a witness becomes so much easier than you think it is when your life is consecrated to Jesus. Okay, so watch. So as I'm a son living in the kingdom, man, my, my response 
to be in a son living in kingdom is to completely and utterly consecrate my life to Jesus, the one who paid a price for me to be a son. And when I do that, it, like it double times, being a witness absolutely becomes no longer what I do. It literally becomes me just representing him everywhere I go. Are you with me this morning? As a son or daughter, I'm consecrated to Jesus. A true witness for Jesus begins with a true relationship with him. Evangelism becomes a lifestyle when your life is consecrated to Jesus Christ. And I'm consecrated to him. I'm submitted to him. I'm completely surrendered to him because he's worth it. I believe that he loves me. I believe he paid a price for me to experience not any life but an abundant life. So why wouldn't I? I'm reading Todd White's book right now, Life is Short, Leave a Legacy. And Jeremy and Nedra gave it to me for my birthday. And y'all, I'm on chapter 9. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It takes me forever to read a book. I, when, I, when I read his book, though, it, it's like I'm reading a language I understand. It is so... He's just sharing his testimony, and everything that he says up under is a scripture. And I'm like, man, that's, that's what I need. Some pages have none of his words, and it's just all scripture. Because I, 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 I do not want to live a paragraph of my life without a scripture. Y'all, it's my language. And so I'm like turning pages. I'm reading it. Man. And one of the things that Todd White says is this. He goes, man, if people can't see Jesus in your life, they won't want what you have. A true witness with Jesus begins with a true relationship. A witness is not a witness without him. I want you to see this. As sons and daughters, we have to be consecrated to Jesus. When we are sons and daughters consecrated to Jesus, yielded to the heart of the Father, being a witness becomes so easy. If people can't see him in your life, they won't want what you have because people are tired of being tired. People do not want a counterfeit freedom. They're looking for something that's real. People can smell fake a mile away. People are tired of religion. They're looking for a relationship. They're looking for the real deal. See, I want to remind you, one of the things that God's doing right now is he's drawing hearts to himself because he's taking what the enemy is using for harm and bad and evil, and he's using it for his glory. The devil has no idea what he's doing. He's already been defeated. God's on the throne, and he's moving and working in power. He's drawing people. People are running to the cross. People are looking for Jesus. So they're looking for something that's right, something that's real, something that's bigger than themselves, something that's powerful to hang on to, and we get to make it easy for, for them to find him by the way we live our life, consecrated to him as sons and daughters. Are you with me? This is who we are, man. I, I had this thought. Okay. This week, actually. Because I was thinking to myself, what if, like, the very moment I began to do something or think something or, or uh, yeah, we'll just use those two examples. What if the very moment I began to do something or think something or act in a certain way that didn't line up with God, in that moment, my, my conscience gets violated, okay, because Hebrews 9, 14 says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses your conscience from dead works, which means your conscience is clean, it's clear, it's free because we've been washing the blood of Jesus Christ. So if I begin to do something 
that, that is outside of God's plan for my life, my conscience begins to get violated. The Holy Spirit begins to convict me because he loves me. I have a check in my spirit. What if the very moment I begin to do something apart from God, my conscience got violated, and a check in my spirit, I just took a step back and stopped what I was doing. I took a step back. What was, was, we've overcomplicated this thing. What if the very moment I begin to think something, do something, act a certain way, my conscience is violated, I took a step back, and I just stopped. And I reminded myself of who I really am. I don't believe it's a sin problem. I believe it's an identity problem. I don't, I don't believe it's a church crisis. It's an identity crisis, y'all. Y'all, this is it. This is it, y'all. I'm learning. I'm growing, man, as a son. I took a step back. I stopped what I was doing, and I reminded myself of what Jesus did. He paid the ultimate price so I could have the ultimate life. I cannot afford to hurt myself or the people around me because that's no longer who I am. What if, what if it's not a sin problem? What if it's not a bad habit problem? What if it's not an addiction problem? What if it's an identity problem? No, seriously, y'all. What I, I take a step back and I go, man, God loves me too much to let me live beneath the reality of the kingdom that I live in as his son. This is not who I am anymore. This is not who I am. Why would I ever do anything apart from the one that says, apart from me, you can do no good thing. We, I believe we've overcomplicated this thing as sons and daughters. And I think the, the, the big problem is, is for so long, y'all, we have... We've given in to the lie of the enemy. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy, it says in John 10, 10. But Jesus came to give us life and life to the fullest, or life abundantly. And the enemy has done such a good job in the body of Christ. I'm not trying to give him credit. I'm just being real. He's done such a good job in the body of Christ, coming back to identity, of it being us living our Christian life and it being all about what we do. And, and how we perform, and, and we're, we're earning and performing, and we're trying to please God. It's all about what we do rather than what's already been done so that we can be sons. Are you with me? So we're earning, we're striving, we're performing, and then the very moment we mess up or we fail, because it's all about what we do, we feel guilty, ashamed, and condemned. And so we spend our whole Christian life in this uphill battle on the struggle bus. And I'm just thinking, man, it, it, it can't be, it doesn't have to be that way. You do not have to be on the struggle bus your whole life. Jesus paid for more. I'm just thinking, man, if I know who I am enough to stop what I'm doing when my conscience is violated, to remember what he did, and I gotta go, man, this is not who I am. You know what I'm saying? I'm just being candid with you. This one, this, I'm having a conversation. I'm letting you into my thoughts because I'm pursuing Jesus with the reckless abandonment. And he's showing me, Wes, you can do this thing. I did not pay a price for you to get on a roller coaster. And some days are good and some are bad. And I'm in and out of bad habits. And I'm in and out of addiction. And I'm in and out of a bad attitude. He paid a price for you to get on his uh, freight train so that you could run with him. I, listen, I, I'm just... I'm here to encourage you this morning. You're a son. You're a daughter of the Father. This is who you are. I'm here to encourage you this morning. Greater is he that lives within you than he that is within the world. Let me encourage you this morning, man. Romans 6.6 6 says you've been crucified with Christ. 
And sin no longer has any power over you. Romans 8, 9 says that we're no longer consumed and influenced by our sinful nature. We're consumed and influenced by of the living God. I'm here to encourage you this morning. You're a son. You're a daughter living in the kingdom. God's grace is sufficient for you because his power in you is at work to help you accomplish things that you can't within your own strength. You're a son. You're a daughter, man. This is who you are. Stop trying to act like you're not. Stop trying to do things apart from the one that says, man, what are you doing? That's the wide road that leads to destruction. It's real simple. Take a step back and go, man, this is not who I am. I can't afford to hurt myself or the people around me. I just, I got a feeling this morning, man. This is the invitation, man. It's to consecrate our life to Jesus. I mean, like, I mean, like everything. Look at me, church. I'm going to tell you something really, really important. It's one thing to give your heart to Jesus. It's another thing to lay down your life for him. Look at me. There is a difference. There are people that have given their heart to Jesus, and we'll see them in heaven one day, but they're missing out on experiencing heaven right now. And the reason why is because they haven't laid down their life completely and utterly consecrated. No, I'm serious. The question is, is how serious do you want to get with him? Because he's serious about you. Y'all, we, we don't have to compromise anymore. Even just a little. You have to compromise on your taxes. To get that extra dollar. Everybody look at me right here. You don't have to compromise anymore. Because this is not who you are. You're a son. You're a you live in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is for you. If he's for you, nothing could be against you. You were born to be kings and queens. Church, it's time to rise up, man. It's time to roll up our sleeves and fight from victory. This is who we are. It's time to lay everything down. All in, consecrated. You do that as a son or daughter, being a witness would never, ever be anything that you do. It would be an overflow of your life. I want to be so consecrated to Jesus that I don't have to go up to people and tell them they need him. People look at my life and they go, I want what this cat has. Every, everything that I do. Some people think that being a witness is just standing on the street corners or going to street ministry on Saturdays and telling and laying hands on the sick, that ain't all there is to it. God works from the inside out. People are looking for something that's real. Here's the invitation this morning, man. Consecrate your life to Jesus. I, I just got a feeling, man, that for some of you this morning, man, it's like, it's like I know who I am as a son or daughter, and you've given your heart to Jesus, but you've never laid down your life for the one who laid down his life for you. And you get to lay down habits. You get to lay down addiction. You get to lay down bad attitudes. You just get to lay down your life. And I just feel like this morning, Jesus wants to mark you with his blood. This morning. And then for some of you, man, it's like, man, I'm tired of doing a witness. I want to be one. And there's a fresh upgrade of identity available for you as a son or daughter. Pops, you can go ahead and start that song.
If everybody would stand up. Hallelujah. If the prayer and ministry team wants to come on up too. They bow before your throne. And it could be this morning that you've never given your life to Jesus. And that's okay. That's where it starts. Romans 10, 10 says, if you believe in Jesus with your heart and you confess him with your mouth, you shall be saved. Acts 2.24, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's real simple, man. If you need to become a Christian today, you need to ask Jesus in your heart, maybe for the first time. It's Jesus. I love you. I need you. I want you. Forgive me for my sins and come into my life, and he'll do it. And then others of you that just need to consecrate, man, your life to Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us. Then we're going to have the prayer ministry team up here available, man. If you need to do that, if you need prayer this morning, if you just want to come forward, man, and get in your face and lay it all down, man, you do it this morning. Whatever you need to do so that we can be all that God's called us to be. God, we love you so much. We love you. We need you. We want more of you. God, we give you all the honor and glory and praise for this morning. We thank you that you're in the room. I pray that you would meet every person right where they are. I pray that, God, we would live a life consecrated to you, consecrated to you, Jesus, where we lay everything down, all in, everything is yours, God, because we believe that you are worthy. We thank you, Jesus, that you paid the ultimate price so we could have the ultimate life. I thank you that being a witness is no longer something we go and do. It's an overflow of who we are as sons and daughters, yielded to your heart, God, consecrated to you, Jesus Christ. We give you our life, Jesus. We declare that you are worthy of everything. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Whatever you need to do, just the next few minutes, come forward, kneel, get on your face. I'll pray with you. Miss Yovana, pray, pray with you. We have the temples here. They'll pray with you. Whatever you need to do, if you need healing in your body this morning, come forward. Let us lay hands. Let's see your body be transformed this morning in the name of Jesus.